Hello and welcome to Coach Talk. It is Thursday, October 29th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen alongside Shane Caldwell, and it's time for the Week 8 Main Slate game-by-game game breakdown. I'm fired up, Shane. And here's the big challenge for Week 8 for us. Can we outdo the breakdown and the performance we had in Week 7? Yeah, I think I think we can. This is uh, last week, Week 7, we predicted it's going to be a really high-scoring uh, DFS week, and we were correct there. You really had to bring it to cash. You know, a lot of people were surprised they score 160 and missed the cash line, for example. So that was a huge high-scoring one. We were on the correct games and the correct plays, which was good. Allowed us to be 13 and one in all our lineups we provided last week. So it was a smash spot for us. Um, now we're looking to grind it out in this slate where it's not as obvious of a stack games. Um, I'm doing a lot of research on the game environments and looking at the weather, some weathers pop it up that makes me change some of these chalky plays. And so we're, we're looking at all aspects of all matchups and what these teams want to do and even the game environment in terms of the weather um, and how that's going to affect the game plan. And by doing that, we're going to be able to come up with some awesome leverage plays that can create a huge advantage this week in, in, in the DFS environment. So we're excited for that. So we're looking to smash just in a different way this week. Absolutely. Whatever it takes. And, you know, the, th the thing I'm excited about is uh, in our pre-podcast pre, uh, huddle, we're on the same page again here, which usually turns out well uh, when we're kind of looking at things the same way, because we put everything into the, you know, our optimizer, so to speak, which combines a bunch of things, including statistics, the eye test, getting in the, the heads of the coaches and, and thinking about the game plans and the matchups and uh, and we, you and I do our research by ourselves, and then we come together and build the lineups for our members. And, uh, you know, like I said, when we're on the same page, it's it's gone well. And so I'm excited about this initial breakdown and, and some of the weather research you did uh, so we can really start to fine-tune which games we're, we're looking to target. And if you look at the slate as a whole on the main slate this week, we again have 11 games. This week we have eight games at 1 o'clock, three at 4 o'clock, and five of the games over 50. So that's that's a little bit down. And some of the 50-point the totals aren't quite as high. And we're going to look at betus.com.pa for our lines, of course, as they are our presenting sponsor. And let's look at this first game uh, right off the top. It's Indianapolis against your Detroit Lions. And on BetUS, Indianapolis is the three-point road favorite. But the number that jumped out at me is 50. This total, the, the, this game has a total of 50, which I thought was a little bit high. And I think you agree. I, I agree. I think 50 is way too high for this game. I think Vegas is looking at it like uh, the Indianapolis, uh, uh, the D Detroit offense is good enough to score on Indy. And they're looking at it that like the Detroit defense cannot stop Indy at all, that they would just roll. Um, however, I look at it, you know, this game's in Detroit. So obviously we're not worried about weather here, but, uh, as I've talked about Detroit's defense is playing better. I'm not saying they're going to shut down the Colts, but they are playing better. Phillip rivers doesn't look great this week. So I don't think it's a great week for him against the lions defense. And then on the flip side, uh, you know, Indian. Indianapolis, I think I think Indianapolis is going to be able to run the ball on Detroit, but I don't think they're going to be able to pass the ball that much. So 
I think the conclusion here, these teams want to run the ball. They want to slow the game down, slow the pace. They want to tr- control time of possession. They want to be fundamentally sound. I mean, they've kind of played boring old school football, which a lot of times if you execute does win the game in real life football, but it's not as good for fantasy football. Uh, so there are a couple of plays you can get out of this game, but for the most part, it's not a, a game that I want to target that I think is going to be a huge shootout. And it's just one of those grinded out slow type games uh, it's, you know, it, it, it reminds me of an NFC North old school battle. This is kind of like a Midwest battle here. So I think on the Indy side, you can definitely take a look at Jonathan Taylor, love Jonathan Taylor all year. He hasn't had that blow up game, but he's been just consistently solid with really limited touches. You know, they don't want to give him bell cow type production touches, but now we're getting into the midpoint of the season and they're coming off their bye week that's a perfect time to get your rookie more acclimated in the offense and give him more bell cow. If you look at the other running backs, you know, Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines, they average, you know, typically around two and a half to 2.7 yards per carry where Jonathan Taylor is like, you know, four and a half yards of carry. I mean, he's smashing every time he gets the ball. It's like, why wouldn't you give the guy the ball more? He's in a great matchup against Detroit. Now they were able to shut down, in terms of yards per carry, Atlanta uh, is running game last week and then two weeks before that, uh, Jacksonville. But those teams aren't that great at running the ball. Where Indy is, they got a dominant offensive line and they got a really fast, powerful running back in Jonathan Taylor. So this is a week where Jonathan Taylor, if the Colts get the lead, they're going to really grind it out with him. And the Lions defense has improved against the run lately, good, uh, lately but not good enough to stop this Indianapolis rush run team. And Jonathan Taylor is not a, a credible high price. He's mid-priced here because he hasn't had a blow-up game yet. So you kind of got to like Indianapolis here coming out of the bye. Even though they're going on the road, they're coming out of the bye. They are favorites, two-and-a-half-point favorites with Jonathan Taylor uh, ready to unleash their rookie finally against this Lions defense, and it's going to be a tough battle there. The Lions defense is physical, so I think this will be a fun game to watch if you like that hard-hitting physical type game, but not necessarily a high-scoring game like we talked about. And then on the flip side there, the Lions side, it's hard to get to a lot of guys here. Indianapolis has been one of the top defenses all year, really in all aspects. Um, So Kenny Galladay is good enough to beat them. You know, I call him Mr. 50-50 ball. You know, he's like number one in the league for like contested catches. I mean, he's awesome. So he's good enough to beat them, but their secondary is a secondary you have to respect, and it's a pretty tough matchup. Um, And they put a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford, and he's under pressure. Um, so I think they will get a little bit of production there, but not enough to have super high upside for DFS. The one guy you can look at for a GPP, you can go back to DeAndre Swift just because the Lions do have a great run blocking uh, advantage here. And DeAndre Swift is going to get more and more touches and he's super talented and he can get he gets goal line work. He gets pass work and he gets between the 20s rushing work. So DeAndre Swift's the only guy for GPPs I would look at. So so that's my long way of saying I'm only looking at those couple guys here, but at least we're explaining why we're only looking at them. And what do you think about this game here? Yeah, I'll add in some more information and stats uh, yeah. on that perspective. If you look at the Indianapolis defense, first of all, they are coming off the bye. They're a nice price, so I'm actually I'm actually targeting them on DraftKings at 3100. They get 11.2 fantasy points per game as a defense, which is number two on this slate. They only allow 302 yards per game, and they are in low-scoring old-school battles, like you talk about. These two teams haven't really morphed into the modern NFL that we've seen take off this year with these high scoring, uh, big passing output offenses. Indianapolis has only been in one game out of six this year over 50 points. And Detroit's only had two of their six games go over 50. So that's why that that total jumped out at me as an underplay. And 
we often like to pair a defense with a starting running back. And I've been hesitant to go to Taylor because of the, the committee there. But it is really trending in the right direction. Last game before the bye, Taylor got 12 carries against Cincinnati, caught four passes for 55, and no one else had more than one rushing, uh, one rushing attempt. It was crazy. So this is the time to, to jump on Taylor at a, at a medium price tag against Detroit's number 26 run defense. So I like, I like the rushing attack there in the defense. You could also look at Trey Burton, uh, four for 58 last week with a, or last game with a touchdown. He also got that rushing touchdown and we were on Trey Burton. So, uh, you could go there. Um, Hurst was good against Detroit last week out as, as Shane predicted. So, uh, that's the story for me. Defense, the rushing attack, you could go Burton, but, uh, probably, you know, only in GPPs and I'm ready to move on to game two. Game two on the board here at BetUS is a total of 51. It's Minnesota at Green Bay. Green Bay, the seven-point favorites. And when when these two teams met up earlier, it was an absolute shootout. Remember that in week one when Green Bay won 43-34? to So lots of reasons on paper to want to get heavily invested in this game. But Shane, give us the weather report for this one. Yeah, this is looking like a mega chalk game, and I don't think people uh, bothered to check the uh, uh, the weather report before they bought into the mega chalk here. Um, so we're looking at, you know, around 33 degrees in Green Bay. Not that surprising for, you know, uh, you know beginning of November. Um, but we're looking at pretty much sustained around 26 mile an hour wind. If that report holds up on Sunday and we're looking at the passing games, you know, uh, it may not be as good for the passing game for downfield intermediate and downfield passing at 26 mile an hour wind gusts. You know, you talk about the passing game and the kicking game, for example, that could really put a damper on things. And you're looking at wind chills around 19 degrees. So it's going to be very cold. The, you know, the ball gets really hard, kind of slippery. And then you have 26 mile an hour winds coming at you. That could actually affect this, this game environment here. So I don't know if it's an absolute shootout smash spot here. It might be more of an old school NFC uh, North battle here, like we talk about the black and blue division here. So uh, so I think Dalvin Cook coming back, Minnesota will slow the game down and they'll get back to their old school football. The only way they can win this game, if they can run the ball on Green Bay. Green Bay's got a good pass rush, decent coverage. So they got to be able to run the ball. And guess what? They want to do that anyways. They want to be able to slow this game down and keep keep Aaron Rodgers and company off the field. So uh, so I think in this game, you look at the running backs or the, the guys I like the most. Uh, so Dalvin Cook, I think he might be worth paying up for here. The only thing working against Dalvin Cook is the game script. But Dalvin Cook is pretty much game script independent because he can get involved with the passing game as well and, and catch some passes and screen passes. And, and, the, and Minnesota will still run the ball even when they're down pretty much. So that's the thing I like about Dalvin Cook here. If I'm looking at the passing game on the Minnesota side, I like the matchup for Justin Jefferson the most. He will avoid, of course, Jair Alexander, which I've talked about a lot lot this year, the number one rated pro football focus coverage guy in the league. He shut down many good, uh, you know, wide receivers. So I don't like Adam Thielen uh, on a shadow against Alexander. Uh, So I like Jefferson better, um, who will, will get better coverage on the outside and when he lines up in the slot here. Um, So Jefferson isn't a, athlete so he could have a big game here and then on the green bay side this is going to be a major Devonte adams week for most people and i am borderline thinking i'm going to watch this 
weather report and decide whether I want to fade Devontae Adams. If Devontae Adams is going to come in, I think, 30% plus ownership, you know, because he had that monster blow-up game last last week, and now he's in a great matchup against the young, inexperienced, very injured Minnesota uh, secondary. Uh, so it looks like a blow-up spot, but what if it is uh, a really bad weather game and Green Bay gets a big lead here? They're just going to run the ball, and they may not have to give as much volume to Devontae Adams. So that's one of the decisions that uh, we'll be making later in the week. But right now, leaning towards not as much Devontae Adams exposure. And then if Aaron Jones is out, he's he's kind of hasn't been practicing. Aaron Jones has had a calf injury, and they're taking the more precautious approach. I don't know if they need Aaron Jones to beat Minnesota here at home. I like Jamal Williams. So Jamal Williams, reasonably priced, uh, and I think he's in a smash spot in a weather game against a weak Minnesota run defense here. And Green Bay has one of the best pass uh, or run-blocking offensive lines in the league in great schemes. So I love Jamal Williams as he gets involved in the pass game and the run game here. So I'm looking at the running game and a little bit limited exposure to the passing game if this weather holds up here. That's what I'm looking at for this Minnesota-Green Bay matchup. Yeah, Jamal Williams, I wish that he was priced a little bit lower on DraftKings. He's up to 6.1, but he's certainly in play for me, and I like the idea of playing him instead of Adams because there is a lot to like about Adams on paper. Last week, he was an absolute stud with those 14 catches for 156 and two touchdowns, and it was in this matchup where he had his other smash game in week one, 13 catches for 196 and two. So I, I agree with you. He's going to be highly owned, but uh, we got to keep an eye on that weather report and potentially fade him for an advantage. I kind of like the more balanced build this week instead of spending way up for guys like Adams. And we'll get to one or two more later on in the slate. And then flipping it back to the Minnesota side, I also I also like the idea of getting Cook here as he's back in the offense, he's scored a touchdown every game this season. And like you said, they want to run the ball, so they they will feed him. It's not a great matchup on paper, but solid. And if you're going to get up to something like 7.5 on DraftKings, I think you'll get him at much lower price than Adams on the other side and some of the other guys in this price range. You'll get, get lower ownership there. All right, Shane, let's go to game three. This is another potential weather game. It's the Northeast battle between the Patriots and the Bills. Right now, the Bills are three and a half point favorites. Over under is a very low total of 41 and a half. And the big news out of New England today is that Julian Edelman has undergone a knee procedure. So he is out. Uh, So a tough season for the Patriots at two and four gets even tougher. Now, with this low total and potential weather situation, is there anyone from this? Looks kind of like an ugly game here with potential rain or maybe some snow and windy weather. And then you got the the Patriots who are kind of a dumpster fire team right now compared to what they are used to. Um, but the Patriots still have Belichick. They still have a talented defense. So they're they're good enough to compete in this division rivalry here and make this an ugly game. And it's hard to trust the Buffalo guys against the New England defense. They're still really talented. They know each other well. And Josh Allen's looked really shaky lately. He hasn't looked very good. So it's hard to trust him here. Um, I would say if I'm, I'm targeting anything, if you want to get some really cheap running backs, I like a couple running backs in this game, Damian Harris for New England. I think New England is just going to absolutely try to pound the ball on Buffalo in the run game here. They don't have much of a pass game, so that's their only play here. They, and New England is a great run-blocking team. 
Buffalo is weak against the run, so it's a great matchup. And their rookie, Damian Harris, I think is a, is a powerful, explosive running back. And I could see him getting, if, if New England can keep it close here uh, or get the lead, I think Damian Harris is going to get a lot more volume and he's near minimal price on both sites. So Damian Harris is one of those leverage plays, you know, low ownership value type plays that you could play in a GPP. And he's the type of guy that could get one or two touchdowns here and maybe 100 yards rushing. Um, and he, he catches a few passes here too. So he's in a great matchup. And the way that they have to play in the matchup shows that they're going to game plan to run the ball a lot. And then on the Buffalo side, I think Zach Moss is an ascending player here. Um, I like that he can catch passes and he can get involved in the running game. It's a tougher matchup against New England, but Zach Moss is near minimal price. And I think he's due for a big game here as well. Um, I don't think Singletary's looked that great. So I think they like Zach Moss now that he's had a couple games back from injury. And that's a guy that can get involved. And I think he's their red zone running back as well. Um, so I could see him getting some touchdowns and, and some production, some yards here at near minimal price. Other than that, mostly a fade on this game. It's a pretty ugly game. Yeah, it's, it's mostly a fade for me as well. Uh, to follow up on that uh, Bills rushing attack, you know, the Patriots really uh, had had a tough time against San Francisco last week on the ground. 49ers had 197 yards rushing and four touchdowns. So it has been a pretty strong defense for the Patriots, despite their two and four record. But, you know, it really was a timeshare last week for Buffalo. Moss and Singletary both had 10 touches. So I agree with you that Moss is ascending uh, and Patriots had that weak performance last week. But I think I'm going to wait uh, to invest in that Bill's backfield until I see a little bit more clarity. And then on the Patriots side, I would rather go with Harris. He's questionable. You know, he's been hobbled this week with an ankle. So if he goes, I do think he's more likely to get the majority of carries in terms of the two backfields in this game. And he's a really nice price. And the, the Bills are number 21 against the run. We saw what Kansas City did against them recently. So I, I like Harris as a possibility here. But mostly a fade for me. And uh, we, we need to fade some of these games because we do have a couple high-scoring games. And this next one coming up is probably at the top of the list for me, Shane. So uh, get, your, get your notepads out. This is the time uh, to really zero in and start making some picks. Because game four on the slate for us is Tennessee against Cincinnati. Over-under is 53.5. Tennessee favored by six on the road. Um, and it, it, I'll, let, me, let me set the stage for you this way, Shane. If you look at the, the matchups in this one, let's, let's look at Tennessee. What are they facing? Well, Cincinnati is number 28 against the run and number 24 against the pass. So a lot of options there for Tennessee. And then bringing it back with Cincinnati, well, Tennessee is number 26 against the pass and number 23 against the run. So bad defenses on both sides, even though the Titans are 5-1, and one, uh, don't, don't be deceived by that record. You can really move the ball against them. So with all these options, Shane, where are you going to look first? Yeah, bad defenses and talented offenses here that aren't afraid to run the score up and get into a shootout. And both these teams are known for that this year. So it's a perfect environment here. Uh, I think uh, Derrick Henry is a guy that you have to highly consider here. If Tennessee is going to be uh, big time favorites on the road, 
Uh, it's well documented. Once once Derrick Henry gets into November and December, you know, it's Derrick Henry eating time. You know, you get into these, you know, colder weather games, these grinded out type games. Teams are a little more worn out towards the end of the year. So this is a big advantage for the Tennessee running game against Cincinnati. It's pretty weak. Um, they just traded away their, uh, you know, one of their uh, defensive ends that they wrote it, rotate in there. Uh, so they're not as they're not as good against the against the run here. Uh, Derrick Henry is going to get massive volume in this game. So really like him. I think he's a guy worth paying up for. He always makes you nervous on DK because he doesn't really pass catch that many passes. So he's going to have to have one of those big games, get the hundred yard bonus and rushing and, and, and hopefully multiple touchdowns to hit value here. But he's certainly capable of it. Uh, and then I think you could look at John U. Smith. On the Tennessee side, he hasn't had a good game in a couple weeks here, but he's in a good matchup against Cincinnati, who's weak against tight ends. And on DraftKings, he's really cheap at 4,100. So John U. Smith's a guy that can see them getting involved here, making some big plays. A uh, little nervous about A.J. Brown just because if, if William Jackson comes back for Cincinnati, so check and see if William Jackson's playing. Because if William Jackson is playing, he's been a really good shutdown corner for Cincinnati this year, and he, he's going to shadow A.J. Brown and could contain A.J. Brown where he doesn't have a massive game like a lot of people think here. So I'm not as big on him if William Jackson plays. You can look at Adam Humphreys as a cheap slot receiver. They can really exploit the weak coverage in the slot. Uh, against Cincinnati here, and he's only 3,800 on DK, so he's a good guy, good guy to put your stacks here. And then on the Cincinnati side, you've seen how Joe Burrow played last week. He's looking really good. He can run the ball. He can. He's just slinging it all over the place. And Joe Burrow's affordable, and you can pair him with Tyler Boyd. Now, Tyler Boyd, no matter how big a game he has, it seems like his price never goes up that much. He's always right. in that low $6,000 range. So he went up a little bit, I guess, on DraftKings, 6,600 is quite a bit on FanDuel. He's still holding on at 6,400. I still think it's a great value. Um, I played Tyler Boyd quite a bit in the $6,000 range. So Tyler Boyd's in a smash spot. Uh, he can really hit Tennessee in the, in the slot. And Tyler Boyd's a great playmaker. Obviously, he has a great, great connection with Burrow. And if they're playing from behind, it's a it's a great game script here. And then I like, uh, I know a lot of people are going to be on AJ Green because I've seen his price is really low on uh on DraftKings at like what 4500 but I still don't trust AJ Green for consistency I know he's had a couple great weeks I I would rather go to T Higgins for the potential upside here I just athleticism and skill set of T Higgins where AJ Green is more on the decline here so I'm not saying AJ Green's a bad play I just prefer paying up uh in this case to be a little more contrarian to get T Higgins at lower ownership where I think AJ Green could get a little chalky at that low price so I like T Higgins here and I think he's a he's a big play waiting to happen and I think he's a great red zone threat here as well to pair up with Burrow so a lot of good options and then at Cincinnati you got to keep an eye on that uh on that running game is Joe Mixon going to play then he's in play if Joe Mixon's out then Giovanni Bernard is going to get a lot of pass work in a in a come from behind game script and you have to consider uh, Giovanni Bernard here. So lots of lots of guys to talk about here. Uh, what are you thinking here? What's your what's your favorite place here? Well, it's it's hard to pick a favorite play. I'm going to stack this one multiple ways and get exposure to all of the key guys on on both sides. But yeah, let, let's try to break it down to our, our favorite plays. For me, uh, I, I I'm going to lean Derrick Henry on the Tennessee side uh, with that awesome matchup. Um, and so Tannehill would be in play for me, but I'd rather go with Burrow on the other side. And I, I would also rather go with one of these cheaper uh, targets for Tannehill, like you mentioned, Jonu Smith. Uh, Cincinnati is number two most friendly to opposing tight ends. They've given up six touchdowns to tight ends in the last three weeks. Uh, 
And I know John, who's had two down games here recently, but he's been a little bit hobbled. And so I think this is a great bounce back spot for him at a good price. And again, Adam Humphreys, like you said, he's much cheaper than Brown and Corey Davis. So I'd like him there if you're going to wide receivers. And then with Cincinnati, it's just so so challenging because all three of those wide receivers are in play for me. You got three different uh, price points. And yeah, A.J. Green has sort of been non-existent, his, his role, but really bounced back with seven catches for 82. More than 10 targets. You know, Boyd and Green were really heavily targeted. You know, Higgins is also in play for me. Uh, Bernard is in play for me because I don't think Mixon will play. Uh, and then one of the guy I got to mention is Drew Sample, who's been up and down in terms of how many targets he's gotten. But you can also score against uh, Tennessee with a tight end. They're number eight, eight, number eight most friendly in that department. And Sample had uh, a nice volume last week with five catches for 52. So uh, if I could only play one lineup, I would probably get Burrow with one of those receivers. Tyler Boyd would be number one for me and then have Henry on the other side. And hope this hope that this baby shoots out. Definitely. All right, game five, Shane is another high total, fifty-one and a half to be exact, at BetUS.com.pa. It's the Raiders traveling to Cleveland. Cleveland, the favorites at home by two and a half. They are five and two. They are going to be at, without Odell Beckham Jr. of course, and the Raiders are coming in at three and three. But we need another weather report from you here, Shane. Yeah, I heard the reports that this is going to be super high-owned game here and that people love it. People are loving Derek Carr as he's looked great lately and he's super cheap. But you look at the weather report, sustained projected 26-mile-an-hour winds, a chance of rain. It's going to be really cold there. Uh, and you look at you know Las Vegas, a team that used to play in California, and now they play in Las Vegas, and they got to go out to Cleveland where it's you know it gets really cold and it's going to be super windy. It's not a really great spot for Las Vegas in that passing game. Derek Carr is not the type of guy that you look at. It's going to go on the road in a bad weather game and just <laughs> completely shred people, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. So it just doesn't seem like a you know strong arm type quarterback that can handle that type of weather conditions. And you know if they're trying to hit deep passes. You know, it's not really a good environment for that. So check the weather on that. So I think it's, again, you're focusing more on the running backs here. If you look at this, you can gain huge leverage because it sounds like the passing game is going to, the passing games on both sides are going to warrant huge ownership. And I hope it does, because if this weather holds up, you can take a look at Josh Jacobs. Uh, if you like, you like him, Cleveland's decent against the run. And the Las Vegas Raiders offensive line has been disappointing in terms of run blocking. Not as good as I expected. But Josh Jacobs is still an elite elite running back. He hasn't done much lately, but he's going to get volume, and he can certainly get there. So he's the guy you can get if you want someone really low-owned on the Vegas side. On the Cleveland side, you can go right back to, to Kareem Hunt. I know his prices went up, but I still think he's too cheap for his role. Uh, great run-blocking team here, great scheme, and also excellent talent. And Las Vegas is vulnerable. They're not great against the run. They're kind of middle of the pack. And I don't think they're going to be able to cover Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, he runs routes like a wide receiver. You know, he's super explosive in the pass game. So even if they were to limit his run game, which I don't think they're going to do, but even if they were, he's going to get his in the passing game. And I think he's worth going to here in this game, especially if you look at a bad weather game, they're going to they're going to have more short screen passes and little passes to Kareem Hunt over the middle and try to run the ball more. Um, and I think Cleveland will get up in this game 
because of the, the the environment, and that means Kareem Hunt will get a lot of work. So he's 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 the type of guy definitely two touchdown upside and could blow up here. And then if you like the uh, passing game here, I think Jarvis Landry with Odell Beckham out. Obviously, Jarvis Landry is going to get a ton of targets, and he's in a great matchup in the slot against against uh, the Raiders who have a weak secondary. So Jarvis Landry, reasonably priced. I think he can get there. He's kind of a run-after-the-catch type guy, so even on short passes, he can make big plays. And then you can look at uh, Richard Higgins, also looked really good last week, and he's super cheap. But again, do you trust him for you know deep shots on the field if, if it's going to be sustained you know 26-mile-an-hour wins? So Higgins is a guy you can look at, but I probably prefer Landry and Hunt, obviously, over him. But my favorite play is still Kareem Hunt here. That's what I'm looking at for the, for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, he's going to be in play for me, especially if the weather goes as you're describing. Uh, so it is sort of a, a tale of two options here, depending on that weather, um, because, you know, this would be a really juicy matchup if it was a normal weather day. I would be all over Derek Carr uh, against this number 30 pass defense again for, for Cleveland. Um, if the weather's bad, then I think the one thing he will continue to do is pepper Darren Waller with, with uh, targets. And he's in a plus matchup. So I'm willing to spend up for him a little bit on DraftKings at 5.6. If you look at the wideouts for the Raiders, you know, continue to have moving parts there with injuries. Ruggs is is back in the scene here, but, you know, he is more reliant on those deep shots. Renfo, you you could look at in the slot uh, if you wanted uh, low ownership. And then Aguilar, three straight games with a touchdown, but I don't think I – can rely on him for uh, a fourth straight game uh, in, in that department. So uh, looking back on the uh, Cleveland side, uh, you know, Higgins had six for 110. He's all excited about being back in this or being in the starting lineup. And he's a much better price than Landry, but you may get those shorter passes to Landry in the weather. You could also look at Harrison Bryant. Uh, had that uh, breakout game, four for 56 and two touchdowns last week. So we are going to uh, continue to monitor that weather and really strategize throughout Saturday night and Sunday morning uh, to build our final lineups for our members. And if you're not a member yet, uh, we invite you to join us. Just go to DFSCoachTalk.com and pick up a weekly or a monthly membership, or you can get the winter special, which saves you on the monthly and gets you all the way through the Super Bowl. So you'll get all of our football lineups for the rest of the season. And what we do is on the main slate, we give out uh, a full cash lineup and two GPP lineups on FanDuel that you can just plug and play. And then on DraftKings, we give out the coach's clipboard with highlighted core plays and a bunch of pivots. We also give out a full lineup on Yahoo. And we've had a lot of success with that. Members have been crushing it, so we'd love to have you join us. Again, dfscoachtalk.com, and once you get your membership, we'll get you into our Discord, and we give out those lineups about 45 minutes before kickoff. So that's when we've taken in all of the news and uh, debated it back and forth and made our final player picks. So, Shane, let's continue on here with the second half of the slate as we go to Kansas City uh, for a Exciting matchup, or not, between the Jets and Chiefs. Jets coming in here, of course, winless at 0-7. 
Chiefs six and one. And man, if you go to BetUS, you are going to see the Chiefs as 19 and a half point favorites over under 49. Man, this is just it's incredible. You don't usually see. Looks like uh, a college game like that. spread. Yeah, it's like a college game spread. So um, what are you going to do with this one? Yeah, crazy 19 and a half point favorites, but the over under is 49. So I think so your implied total for Kansas City is like over 34. You know, that's a pretty good, pretty good total for an NFL team. So, right. I mean, you could you could take a look at it and say, OK, what if this scenario plays out where the Jets can score a little bit on on Kansas City? What if Sam Darnold suddenly has a decent game if he gets Jamison Crowder back and, you know, he's doing good with P. Ryan and they actually score a little bit and that forces Kansas City to keep pouring it on. That's a good scenario here um, where you could build the game stack. So I think you can build GPP game stacks with with uh, Patrick Mahomes and you can you can sprinkle in uh, some uh, Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. And then if you want a value play, I kind of like Demarcus Robinson as a value play coming off a bad game last week in a, in a snow game. Demarcus Robinson didn't do anything. But against the Jets, he could really burn them for a couple deep shots. And, you know, he's got a great matchup, Demarcus Robinson does here. So you could get the value stack there, and then you could bring it back with, uh, you know, someone like uh, Jamison Crowder if he plays, or Denzel Mims, the rookie who's just who, who I think looks like a pretty talented player here. You know the Jets are going to have to pass the ball and get volume, and Sam Darnold has nothing to lose here. Everyone knows he's bad already, so he might as well just sling the ball around. So, so you could game stack this, even though it's super ugly, and you just get all this like New York Jets garbage time production, and it doesn't take much to build off the the cheap price, you know, to to get hit value on the cheap price of these Jets guys, and then you just load up on the Kansas City guys if you think they're going to score like forty plus points here just because they can, you know. So that's kind of what you look at this game. It's not one that you're going to be grinding out for cash here. It's kind of more of a GPP correlation play where you just like look at it and it's a mismatch and. Kansas City does have, has no problem blowing them out by like you know twenty five to thirty points and just rolling and then and then Jets the Jets get the garbage time on the other side. That's interesting. You know, I'm all about stacking games and and uh, I, I am a GPP player. I hadn't really thought about stacking this one. I, I think you would get very low ownership on that type of build. I was looking at it more as a one off. Uh, you know, maybe build a lineup with Mahomes and one of his wideouts. Uh, you know, the concern there is how much is he going to spread it around? Will he have one pass catcher that really goes off? Uh, the reason you're talking about Robinson, of course, is because Sammy Watkins hasn't been practicing. So we're assuming he's out again. And I think Robinson is in play at that price tag. The other guy I would look at is McCall Hardman. I mean, you know, he had that big game against Baltimore. And I think he's due for another smash spot here if, if Watkins is off the field. We've seen the outside receivers against Jets and Pierre Desir really do well. So I do like Hardman, even though he's more expensive than Robinson. And we do have to mention that new running back for the Chiefs, Le'Veon Bell, because, of course, he's going against his former team here uh, with the Jets, and they're not very good against the run. They're, they're number 20 in that department. He got his feet wet, uh, no pun intended, in the snow, with Kansas City last week, he got six carries for 39. So he could be a GPP um, look uh, on DraftKings because, you know, there's no reason for CEH to have a full workload here if they're going to win by 20 or more. So you could look there. Uh, but if I was only going to play one player, uh, I guess you have to call the, the Chiefs defense a player um, mm -hmm. 
in fantasy. I, I, I might look there. They are more expensive here, but they're number five in takeaways on the season. And, I mean, this Jets offense, come on. They score 12.1 points per game. And they only uh, amass 292 yards of offense per game. So, it's, I mean, that's why they're 19 and a half point favorites, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, Sam <laughs> I mean, Darnold likes to throw the ball to the wrong team sometimes. He does. So, yeah. he, he, he is rather fond of that, which, yeah. which would help the team defense scoring. And then yeah. LaMichael Pirine, again, if you talking about GPPs, that's really the best way to attack Kansas City. They're number 30 against the run. So you could go with Pirine in a GPP. He really established himself last week with 11 carries. He got in the end zone. He caught two passes. You know, Frank Gore is still there. He also had 11 carries last week, but that would be a, a, a one way to go to get uh, very low ownership in a GPP. All right, Shane, two more one o'clock games left. The next one includes the Rams and the Dolphins down in Miami. Over under here is 46. The Rams are three and a half point favorites on the road. They are coming off a short week playing Monday night with that win against the Bears. And they are facing the Dolphins, who are well-rested. They had their bye, and they turned the keys to the car over to Tua. But uh, tough first matchup here. Rams are number five against the pass. So what are your thoughts here? Yeah, it's, it's hard to like a lot in this game. Uh, you know, I think the Rams going against Miami, they're, they're uh, favorites here. You could look at their running game. And look at Daryl Henderson. I know it's hard to trust the Rams because you don't know which running back they're going to feature. Are they going to throw Malcolm Brown out there? Are they going to get Cam Akers off the bench? But Daryl Henderson could potentially have a, a big game here against Miami. They're weak against the, a run, and uh, the Rams have a great running scheme and good run blocking. So you could look at Daryl Henderson for GPPs. Uh, I don't really like the passing attack for the Rams. I think Miami's solid against – they don't have an elite pass rush, but when you're going up against Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, Jones, you know, have a good secondary, especially on the outside. So I don't really like targeting them. And I don't think the Rams are going to have to pass a lot in this game. So I don't know that I really like going to the Rams passing attack. I don't know if I trust Jared Goff enough here in this matchup. Um, and then I think uh, on the Miami side, you know, one guy that I might look at again, even though this guy has burned me and uh, Mike Gusecki, he's put up some really bad games and then he'll have some good games. So if you're thinking this is a game where he's going to be really bad again, that's probably the game he'll he'll actually have a breakout. And we don't know how that's going to look with Tua. Maybe Tua really likes the tight ends here. Uh, he threw the ball a lot, you know, to tight ends in college. So with Tua having that great timing and accuracy, maybe he can hit Kaseki for these some of these seam routes and crossing routes. And Kaseki is a he's a big athletic guy. He's a great playmaker. And the Rams aren't great against the tight end. And I think he can match up well against them. So I could see Kaseki having a breakout game out of nowhere. So that's why he's in play for GPPs only, not really a cash guy. Uh, just because I no one's talking about him. He's super low. You know, you can get him at you know single digit ownership here and he's the type of guy that could have a breakout and you can get on that early if he has a great connection with Tua which I suspect Tua will be looking for him early and often um, as the Rams outside cornerbacks are good with Jalen Ramsey and the other guys they have so I would rather throw the ball at the big tight end than try to throw the ball at Jalen Ramsey as a rookie here when Aaron Donald's in my face basically <laughs> so yeah I that would make sense uh, to get that sort of safety target I'm hoping he checks it down all the way to Miles Gaskin, though. Uh, I think he's in a good spot here. 20-plus touches in three of the last four weeks. He's at a nice price. Uh, you look at 
what David Montgomery did on Monday. You know, he had five catches for 21. And they were really just starting to target him there at the very end when they are trying to play catch-up. And I think the Dolphins could be trying to play catch-up for more of the game and be more ready, willing, and able to, to, to look for Gaskin in the, in the past game. They've done that a bunch this year. So I like, I like his spot here. And then on the Rams side, I'm planning to avoid that backfield with the three-headed monster. Um, I do think Akers is going to pop one of these games. They're just going to get him into the, into the mix. And this could be it because they're on the short week. But, you know, I, I think it's a little bit risky here with, with the, all three of them healthy. Um, so the one guy I might look at, you mentioned the tough defense on the outside, or at least tougher for the Dolphins. I like C- Cooper Cup here in the slot. That's a great matchup. The 6.5 on DraftKings, I think, is worth considering. All right, Shane, last one o'clock game here is a real tough division battle between the Steelers and Ravens. These teams are combined 11 and 1. Over under is 46 and a half, and the Ravens are the three and a half point favorites at home. For me, this is mostly a fade game, but I'm curious if you have any plays that you like here. You know, I've got a couple guys I'm looking at for GPP only here. Because obviously this is going to be a game where it's going to get super low ownership because everyone knows these teams know each other and they have elite defenses. But they also have really good offensive players, you know. Uh, They have extremely talented players here, uh, especially wide receivers here. Now, I think Chase Claypool is interesting because when I looked at last week, okay, everyone said Deontay Johnson's coming back. Deontay Johnson has a blow-up game at low ownership. We were on him, one of the guys we smashed on. Now everyone's going to be looking at Deontay Johnson and saying he's the main guy. Claypool's not going to get any run. Well, Claypool was still out there just as much as Johnson in terms of snaps. And Claypool is still a very good, talented, talented wide receiver. Uh, So I think Claypool could have a a bounce back game here going up against Marcus Peters. You know, I think it's one of the better matchups. Baltimore is a brutal matchup in terms of secondary. But I think Claypool could, could beat these guys. Uh, it, because of his talent, just his size and speed and talent. So that means he could pop off for a couple big plays here and get some touchdowns. So if you get him at really low ownership in the GPP, it's a big leverage play as everyone is going to be off Claypool now. Um, and then if you look at, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson could do the same thing. He moves all around the formation. He could have another decent game here at low ownership because obviously it's a big avoid spot if you look at the matchup. And then on the Baltimore side, same thing applies to Marquise Brown. I'll take Marquise Brown taking some deep shots against like the veteran Joe Hayden, because obviously Joe Hayden's a little bit older now. I don't think he can keep up with Marquise Brown. So I could see them taking some deep shots here. You know, they got to score somehow. And I think you, you, you really try to take those deep shots with these guys because it's tough in the trenches against these teams. Um, so I could see Marquise Brown popping for a big game here at super low ownership and the type of guy that's one to 2% owned in a GPP that has a big game. Um, and no one's owning them because it's a tough matchup. So those are the only guys I'm looking at. Again, GPP only if you're looking in a li- really large field and you're just looking for a guy that could pop off for a couple big plays out of, out of nowhere. Yeah, Marquise Brown certainly will have his legs under him after the bye week. And I should mention that in that backfield, Mark Ingram is questionable. But even if he's out, this is not a week for me to target Edwards or Dobbins against this awesome Pittsburgh run defense. So. I'm ready to head towards the 4 o'clock games, but before we do that, Shane, let's take a moment to hear from our wonderful partners at betus.com.pa. 
Wake up, sports bettors. Sports are in high gear at BetUS.com, so put down the beer and make every sporting event more exciting by putting stakes on the line at BetUS. Earn bragging rights over your friends as you rake in the cash from each week's betting action. But don't settle for any other book. Choose America's favorite sports book with over 25 trusted years in the industry, BetUS. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, but more importantly, you need a sports book that pays. BetUS has your game with action on football, baseball, basketball, MMA, golf, horse racing, and even esports. No other sportsbook welcomes newcomers like BetUS with their jaw-dropping sign-up bonuses. Sign up now with promo code COACHTALK for 125% sign-up bonus up to two grand. The best in the biz. Now you have the best book in the business with the best DFS provider in the business, Coach Talk. Create your account to make point spread bets, futures bets, prop bets, entertainment bets, live bets, and more. No other sports book is as committed to their members as BetUS. Sign up now and get in on the winning side of the ball. Welcome back, and thank you to BetUS for that terrific offer. Be sure to use that promo code COACHTALK, all one word. All right, Shane, let's dominate these last three games, the 4 o'clock ones, and the the first one we're going to uh, dissect here is a 4.05 kickoff between the Chargers and Broncos in Denver. Over-under is 45, and the Chargers are three-point road favorites. Who do you like in this matchup? Well, I mean, if you like uh, revenge narratives here, you could take a look at Mel Gordon, Melvin Gordon here. He's pretty reasonably priced, and uh, Philip Lindsay's going to be out for this game. The Chargers are pretty decent against the run, um, but, you know, Denver's got a pretty good running game here, and, uh, you know, they really need to run the ball to stay balanced for their young, inexperienced uh, uh, quarterback here, um, and they don't really have a lot of passing weapons uh, against a really tough, uh, you know, coverage team in the L.A. Chargers. So I would say if there's going to be a play you're going to take, again, this is a little more of a GPP play. I, you could take a look at Melvin Gordon. I, I always like Melvin Gordon with Denver when he's at home. I like teams that have to travel into Denver, into the altitude, and they'll try to run the ball on you. Um, so I think this is the ultimate, like, bounce back, you know, revenge narrative kind of, kind of game here. where They kind of gave up on Melvin Gordon, and, you know, he went to Denver, and now he's going to face them in this division matchup. So he's a guy you can definitely take a look at. And I like his price, you know, 6700 on FanDuel seems reasonable, and 5600 on DK seems pretty good as well because he can get passing down work now as well. You don't have to worry about, you know, he's a full three down back here. And there's not that many three down backs that you're going to get at that price point that's actually talented in, in a decent spot here. So, again, tough matchup, but I think the role is good enough to consider uh, playing Melvin Gordon here. Uh, on the Chargers side, I don't, you know, I was on Herbert last week and had some great lineups with Herbert, and he was in a smash spot, and he smashed. So this guy's looking like the, you know, rookie of the year here, him and uh, Joe Burrow competing for it. Uh, but I don't like the matchup on the road against Denver. They're pretty, they're pretty solid against the pass here. Uh, pretty solid defense overall. Denver plays some pretty low scoring games. It's over under 45. Um, so the Chargers are favored here because of that talent. Um, you can certainly take a look at Keenan Allen. Uh, he's just a target monster here, and he's in a and he's in a decent spot. But I think that Denver has a pretty decent secondary, so they might be able to limit his upside here, where he just has a middle of the road game. Uh, so don't love Keenan Allen as much here. So I'm not really targeting a lot of guys on the Chargers here. Uh, maybe there's a couple guys you like on the Chargers, but not a lot of exposure to this game. Just the uh, low scoring game. I don't love the matchups here. Yeah, for the Chargers side, the one guy I would look at is Keenan Allen. Uh, other than that, I'm not going to go to those skill position players. 
Uh, if you're looking at the Denver side, uh, before I get to the running attack, I do want to mention Albert O, the tight end, at 2.8. Yeah, he's got that chemistry with Locke last week, seven catches for 60. So there's a value play you could look at at tight end in a, in a decent matchup. But I also want to talk about this this Mel Gordon revenge game. I, I do like that narrative, and you combine it with uh, the opportunity with Philip Lindsay out. Uh and we saw what James Robinson did against the Chargers last week. He scored one on the ground and through the air. So if Mel Gordon's going to get the majority of the touches, uh, I, I do like that option. And that's what it's going to be. I think that's the key to this game is will he be successful or will the Chargers defense pay off? Because I do think you could look at them as well. Uh, Denver is last in the NFL. They turn it over 2.3 times per game. Uh, so the Chargers defense at 4K on DraftKings is in play for me. Um, so that's going to be the, the test. Who will win out, Mel Gordon or that Chargers defense? All right, Shane, next game is in the Windy City as the Bears are playing host to the Saints. Saints are four-and-a-half-point road favorites. Under here, over under here is 43-and-a-half. And give us the forecast on this one. Yeah, it's already a low, a low owned, uh, a low over under total there at 43 and a half. But yeah, the forecast right now is calling for 22 mile an hour wind, which isn't that big a surprise in early November in Chicago, I guess. So um, and uh, yeah, so it definitely could limit them. And I just don't think of the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees as a good team. Uh, historically haven't been great in going on the road to tough places like Chicago and weather games outdoors on grass historically haven't been good they're more of a dome team so I don't really like the New Orleans side as much here if you've watched Chicago's defense you know that they're very tough and physical up front and their secondary has played great as well so they're pretty solid all the way around they put a ton of pressure on you uh, and New Orleans hasn't been as dominant this year so I don't really like this game as a, it's just a low scoring grinded out game there's not a lot you love about Chicago even Allen Robinson is probably heading probably going to be out for this game with a concussion I don't think he's going to clear the concussion protocol in time so if you take Allen Robinson off the Chicago Bears offense and you look at New Orleans who's a solid defense all the way around you know what are you looking at here I mean, you, you could say, well, I'll take New Orleans to go on the road and grind it out, take the New Orleans defense against Chicago. Um, I think, obviously, Alvin Kamara is going to warrant some ownership because if Michael Thomas is out again, Alvin Kamara is going to be, again, the focal point of this offense. And even if it's a tough Bears defense, Alvin Kamara is super talented. They haven't went up against a lot of running backs as good as him, and he can get you in the pass game. But overall, don't love the matchup for Alvin Kamara and the New Orleans Saints against Chicago on the road here. So it's a little hard to get up to that price point here, but it does sound like he's going to warrant some ownership. So in general, not a ton of exposure to this game. I don't like the New Orleans backup wide receivers. Normally I would like those guys just because their role, but I don't like them against Chicago's secondary and pass rush. Um, and like I said, I don't really like the Chicago side of things either. So maybe you take a defense from this game, one of these defenses. You know, you could take Chicago or New Orleans defense. I can make an argument for either one uh, and get those guys at low ownership. Other than that, not a lot of exposure to this game. If that weather holds up, it's looking kind of like an ugly game here. Yeah, I agree. You could look at both defenses. I would lean towards the Saints defense, even though uh, all those factors you mentioned about Drew Brees, I think, are important. Um, you know, Chicago's 29th in total offense this year, and man, did they look bad against the Rams. You know, they could not protect Nick Foles. Uh, and so if, if the Bears can't get pass protection to throw it down the field, 
we know they're probably not going to be able to run it against New Orleans because they're awesome against the run. So the Bears are in a real tough spot here, especially if Allen Robinson is out. We think he will be. Um, and then, you know, same thing with the Saints. Tough matchup. Um, but with Michael Thomas likely out, we know Emmanuel Sanders is going to be out because of COVID. The thing is, you get this likely low-scoring game with, with good defenses, but then all of a sudden you get all these skill position players who are cheap. And so you start to think, well, you know, maybe I should look at one one of these guys on both sides or either side. And and for me, if you're looking at the Saints, you know, Jared Cook is a place you could go at 4.4. Uh, I think I think Drew Brees will target him heavily, especially if it's higher high wind. And I probably won't go to these Saints receivers, but you know, Deontay Harris at 3.3. I mean, you've got some cheap options in this game that you could look at for GPPs. Same thing on the Bears side. If Robinson is out, you know, will this finally be the the, the time for Darnell Mooney to shine and, and connect on one of those deep passes? I mean, in that Monday night game, he should have had a 90-yard touchdown pass. You know, if the mm-hmm. Bears could have protected Foles on that play, and he, you know, he would have stepped into it and and easily hit Mooney down the left side there. So you could look at him at 3.5 on DraftKings. And I think the guy that's going to step up if, if Robinson is out is Devon Wims at 3K. So minimum price there. Uh, he could certainly pay off value. All right, Shane, one more game to go here on the week eight main slate. And it's another high scoring one, at least on paper. Over under is 54 between the San Francisco 49ers and the Seahawks. Seahawks are at home for this one. They are three point favorites. And they certainly were in, involved in that awesome shootout last week with Arizona. What a way to finish out that main slate. A lot of fun watching uh, Wilson and Lockett. Lockett go for 15 catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns. That was insane. He was making incredible catches all over the place. It did not disappoint. It was no, exactly it what we were projecting. And we we pretty much had a mostly fade on DK Metcalf as well, yes. which was a huge leverage play for us. Uh, it was exactly what the doctor ordered. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, as good as they were to us, I'm just not quite as sure about it here with the 49ers defense that's pretty solid. Um, I do want to mention a, a couple injury notes here for you, though, before we get started. We know that multiple 49ers running backs are out. It looks to me like the leading candidates to, to carry the rock will be McKinnon and Jamichael Hasty. And then with the passing attack, Debo Samuel is out. So could be a big step up spot for a couple guys. So where are you looking here in this game with a total of 54? You know, you could you could game stack this or do a mini stack. I think I, I like Jimmy Garoppolo at a super cheap price on FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, really low price for a guy that's going up against a great matchup in a game script where they're not going to be able to just run the ball, especially since most of their best running backs are out of this game. And Seattle's good against the run, really bad against the pass. So we're a pass funnel team, a, a, a road team playing from behind against, you know, Garoppolo is, you know, looking better of lately in a good scheme. So you could take uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and pair him up with uh, the Brandon Ayukes and Kendrick Bourne, you know, value play guys that look talented. You could throw in some George Kittle there. If you think he's going to do good. Seattle's been tough against tight ends, but George Kittle is the type of guy that can beat in almost any coverage just because he's really tough and physical. So you could definitely throw some Seattle stacks in there and you could just bring back like Tyler Lockett on the other side there. Cause Tyler Lockett 
even though San Francisco is a tough matchup, Tyler Lockett is pretty much, you know, matchup proof for the most part. Obviously, we're not expecting as big a game as he had last week, but if he can just even have half of that, you know, he's in a good spot here. Um, so I like kind of that mini stack with, you know, stacking San Francisco's passing game and bringing back Tyler Lockett. On the Seattle side, you could definitely still take a look at Russell Wilson just because he's that good in all aspects here. And I also like Carlos Hyde. I think Carlos Hyde is going to play. They made a big deal about his hamstring injury, and then they came out finally. It's just a minor hamstring. So I think literally they're just going to rest him throughout practice and be more limited. But Carlos Hyde, uh, they, I think they will try to run the ball in San Francisco. They're not as stout against the run as they used to be. Um, and they can certainly, if they get a lead here, Carlos Hyde can catch passes and get a lot of work in the run game to try down and just kind of, you know, uh, pretty much just milk the clock in the second half. So I like Carlos Hyde at a, at a super cheap price. I mean, you got him at $5,000 on FanDuel and $5,300 on DK. I think he's in play and he's going to get low ownership because people are worried about his injury and they've been talking about all week how they're worried about it. But I think he's going to get a full workload here as their bell cow back in a, in a good offense. So that's why I like Carlos Hyde here. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you know, I'm leaning towards not stacking this one and hoping it's not as much of a shootout as it looks like it could be on paper with that high total. Um, but I, I do look at the San Francisco passing game, and I, I'm going to have to get some exposure to that. I mean, Seattle's number 32 against the pass. So Jimmy G's in play for me. Ayuk is in play after that big game last week. Kendrick Bourne, GPP option. Very cheap at 3.5. Uh, so maybe just one or two guys from this one. And uh, then I'm going to get a lot of my ownership from that Tennessee-Cincinnati game for sure. So uh, as I mentioned here, we are going to keep grinding on these lineups to build for our members. So uh, if you want to join us, just go to DFSCoachTalk.com. Grab one of our memberships. We'd love to have you this week here. Plenty of football left, so you can get that winter special. Take you all the way through the Super Bowl. Uh, social media, you can find us all on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. You can find Shane at DET Sports Shane. I am at Language Olympic. And our fearless leader, the coach, is at J O E S A R V A D I. Please hit the, uh, the like button and the alert uh, subscription button on YouTube so you know when our next podcast posts. We have four coming up on Saturday night. We'll do uh, the position-by-position shows, the quarterback show, the running back show, and then a combined show for tight ends and wide receivers. Those will come out Saturday night, and then we'll do a preview of the primetime games as well. So uh, please tune in for those. Our charity of choice here at DFS Coach Talk, MambaOn3.org. That's M-A-M-B-A. O-N-T-H-R-E-E.org. And Shane, any final thoughts here for the Week 8 main slate? No, you know, stay tuned later this week. We're going to have some great podcasts. We're going to have more information about the injuries, which are very significant here, and more information about the weather and how that's going to impact these games. And we're going to use all that information and continue to do our research to create a huge edge for our members and all our listeners here. So definitely ready to have an awesome week here in Week 8. Absolutely. And Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, betus.com.pa. Use that promo code COACHTALK. And please do join us again on Saturday night as we finish out the week with four more podcasts as we look to crush it in DFS.